0: First, today, to questions of character, not in our election, but during war. As the historian Margaret Macmillan wrote recently, if anyone doubted the importance of individual leaders shaping world events, surely the Ukraine wars dispelled them. It's Vladimir Putin's war, no one else's really. And if his opposite number, Volodymyr Zelensky, had decided to abandon Ukraine rather than stay, well. Obviously, things could be rather different now. For some more insight into what maketh the man, I'm pleased to welcome Misha Zelinsky to the program, who's fallen into journalism, really, suddenly, in the midst of a huge story. He's a Fulbright sto- uh, scholar who's spent the last seven weeks in Ukraine covering the conflict with Russia for the Australian Financial Review, and I'm pleased to welcome him. Hello there.
1: Thanks. Uh, good to be with you.
0: Tell us your key impressions about covering the conflict now that you've had a chance to settle a little bit in Washington.
1: Well, obviously it's heartbreaking, as you said. It's Vladimir Putin's war. What's happening there uh, is a series of war crimes. It's been absolutely horrific what's happened uh, in Ukraine. It's a you know it's a disaster all around strategically. Um, it's an absolute disaster for Vladimir Putin. But what's happening to the Ukrainian nation is absolutely heartbreaking. You're seeing just indiscriminate attacks on cities, on civilians, you know, war crimes, millions of people being displaced. But within that, uh, you know, I was just completely and utterly struck and have fallen in love, frankly, with the Ukrainian people and the Ukrainian nation and their humanity and bravery uh, against unspeakable uh evil and uh, huge odds against them has been extraordinary. And they've stopped Putin's war machine in its tracks and turned it back against all odds. So, you know, my hat goes off to them. They are incredibly brave and extraordinary country.
0: Uh, And in the midst of all of this comes this man Um, whom many people have fallen for around the world. Most of us had never heard of him. Well, only in passing. You know, you think back during the Trump controversy about Ukraine and Hunter Biden, and, of course, I did hear about him there, but (laughs) dismissed him. Uh, Yet it's such an incredible story. He is a man with a law degree who's never practised law. He's an entertainer and entrepreneur and a fabulous dancer too, by the way. Look up YouTube. (laughs) That'll lock your socks off. He's a dissident satirist, much more than a... You know, people say he's a comedian... Um, much more than that. And it turns out very, very brave, politically savvy too. Where did he learn all this?
1: Well, it's, a, it's an unbelievable story. So most people are familiar with, yes, as you say, he's a Jewish comedian come president and then most well known for the fact that he played a uh, unlikely president. So a school teacher who becomes president after a video rant of his goes viral. He called the servant of the people. Uh, in that show, he goes on to be president. Now, of course, in real life, not dissimilar. similar. Uh, Zelensky won an election against all odds, comes to power promising to end corruption and gets into this uh, weird situation with President Trump, which is then part of Trump's first impeachment. To be honest, his presidency was sort of really struggling. Uh, Ukraine's a difficult country to govern and he wasn't really able to get the cut through that he wanted in terms of any corruption. and. He doesn't really have a political party. He created his own party. He didn't have the depth and knowledge and and roots in the political system there. But of course, with war um, happening, it cometh the hour, cometh the man. And so he's made this transformation into this Churchillian type character. And so I went out to Zelensky's hometown, a city called Kivytig, and it's a steel town in south central Ukraine, just above Crimea. So in the more Russian-speaking parts. Of, of Ukraine, uh, that's where he grew up. And his origin story there, it's a steel town. I grew up in a steel town, I grew up in Wollongong. I live in Wollongong. And, you know, <laughs> I've traveled all around the world, actually, and visited many steel towns. And the people in steel towns are all the same. They're no nonsense, they're tough. And so this wasn't really about Zelensky playing a role. This is about him returning to his roots. This is a tough city with tough people, and they've got a tough president.
0: Well, and very unionised. You now, this is real working class, as you say. I mean, mm. very interesting with the analogy with Wollongong. Um, n- n- not grand thinking, but uh, gritty.
1: Oh, real, really gritty. You know, if you go around Ukraine, I was in Kiev, which is a beautiful a cosmopolitan European capital. Lviv uh, could easily be a city in any other part of Europe. It's got Aust- Austrian, Hungarian roots. It was in Poland at times, and so... When you're walking through Lviv, it's beautiful and cobblestone, stone buildings, absolutely stunning. Uh, Kivirig is very much out of Soviet central casting, and so it's got industrial scars. It's famous for its 128-kilometre snaking uh, length, so it's a very long city, and basically it just followed along a very rich iron ore seam, and the iron ore is so rich in the dirt that you can basically get it out of your hands. And so when you're there... It looks like there's a, uh, a mountain range. It's actually not a mountain range. It's just rock that's been moved uh, to get to the iron ore. So it's, it's really just like a pure industrial city.
0: You made the point that when he was growing up this town, it was riven with gang warfare too, wasn't it? This, this is all part of the story which we're learning, that the, 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 the collapse of the Soviet Union brought in basically banditry for about 20 years.
1: Yeah, so in the city, there's about 40 gangs. It's very organized. So I spoke to a gang leader there by the name of Andre, and there are about 40 gangs called the Beguni. And that essentially means people who run. So that's what they were called. They went by you know, that term. And what they would literally do would be run from one division of the city into the next, have a fight, and run away again. And that was how they entertained themselves, so, you know, as it was explained to me when the Soviet Union fell, uh, a lot of the civic institutions, a lot of the cultural institutions sort of were not being funded. And so there was no sport, no culture, just fighting. And so these gangs sprung up, but they were highly organized. 40 gangs, they had their own uniforms, there was a code. And one of the things someone said to me that, you know, the Beguni mindset that what you say you must do, and if someone fights, you must fight back, is, it's sort of inculcated into the town. It is something they all deeply believe. And so even though that gang violence has now disappeared, that sort of win-at-all-cost mindset and mm. that scrappiness remains in the town's fabric.
0: Yes, and family, you clearly took that away mm. too. Incredibly important to Zelensky. His uh, grandparents had a, a, a particularly significant influence.
1: Yes, so his grandfather, who had fought for the Red Army, and protecting other Jews. So that was the reason why they had gone. His family clearly Jewish and very worried about Nazi uh, attacks on the Jewish people. So when he returned, Kyiv at the time was really rife with crime and he was given the task of leading the police force's efforts to stamp out crime and corruption. So before Zelensky ran for president, as I was saying before, he ran on a anti-corruption platform. He already had a lot of credibility as a, an anti-corruption fighter via his grandfather. And so his grandfather took on uh, that mantle and was actually a legend in the town as a result. And very famously, uh, his brother-in-law got into trouble. Uh, he was a bread delivery man and some bread went missing when he was out and he was accused by his employer of stealing. And so uh, Vladimir Zelensky's grandfather uh, was at work and in comes uh, his wife and says, "Listen, my brother is in trouble. You need to go easy on him in this investigation in front of everybody." He said, "No, he'll get a fair trial and nothing else." And uh, yeah, that was the level of integrity that he had. And funnily enough, even though uh, his brother-in-law was eventually cleared, they never spoke ever again. So it created a family feud forever. So I was actually talking to uh, the Zelensky family dentist about this, and he said how much he absolutely adored. Uh, his, his grandfather, and that when he became president, he actually went back to Krivirig Incognito and went to the cemetery where his uh, his grandfather is buried with his dad and he took a knee there and spoke in secret. And so the, his uh, his the family grave. dentist told me, yeah, and his family dentist told me they believed that he was promising to be just like his grandfather. So it was a really, uh, really incredible, powerful story. Another story was that once his grandmother was really uh, unwell and unable to uh, walk herself, uh, Zelensky carried her. He was already a famous comic at this point, worth millions of dollars. He carried her by hand all the way to the dentist's chair to make sure that she could get the treatment that she needed. So, you know, he's an incredibly sort of, he seems like a very authentic guy with really deep family roots and, you know, family roots where there's a lot of character and a lot of uh, integrity built into his family. And so, That's flowed through his grandparents into his parents who still live. Would you believe they still live in a very, very basic uh, apartment building in this Soviet-looking block of flats in Kvartal 95, which was the name of uh, the area, Quarter 95, which is what Zelensky ended up calling his production company and his comedy group. And so they live in that same building in which he was raised. So despite having a son who is extraordinarily wealthy, extraordinarily powerful, one of the most famous men in the world. Is is he
0: wealthy now?
1: Oh, yeah. He was already wealthy before he became president. How? Well, just through his his comedian act and TV acting. He was quite a famous guy, and so he'd actually made a fair bit of money out of that,
0: yeah. Um, And look... (laughs) I think a lot of us are astonished he's still alive because, I mean, mm. obviously Putin has now sacked, what is it, 140 FSB officers who obviously gave him yeah. appallingly wrong <laughs> information about Zelensky. Um, and uh, there were, you know, reports of two assassination teams sent in who mercifully didn't succeed. I do wonder who's mm. in there protecting him. I'd love to know that story. I bet there's an amazing story there. But, I mean, yeah. do you, what do you think comes next? Where does he go from here?
1: Well, I think already he's proven his mettle and his bravery. The advice he got from allies uh, was leave Kiev and go to Lviv or set up a government in exile, and he said, "I don't need a ride, I need ammunition." Mm. and he stayed in Kiev. and you can't quite put a price on it is how much did that raise the morale of his country? I mean, I think of it as a little bit like Churchill didn't leave London, right he stayed or and the so- or the king and the- queen <laughs> right. They, no one fled. And so Zelensky stayed, you know, and the view was that the city would fall within 24 hours. Well, now the Russians have had to not just, they're not repurposing their troops. They've had to retreat. They've been defeated in their attack on Kyiv. For the battle for Kyiv, they lost. And so that's extraordinarily uh, down to the fact of the bravery of Vladimir Zelensky staying in that city. And so you're right. there have been a number of attempts on his life. Uh, extraordinarily around the FSB, uh, the security services, respectively the CIA Mm. of Russia, uh, they were leaking to the Ukrainians the attempts on Zelensky's life. So clearly a lot of people inside Russia think this whole thing is a bad idea and are very worried about how it's tracking. And so that's something that clearly Putin's very worried about because he is starting to purge security apparatus. Indeed.
0: By oh, the sound of it, it has altered your life. Uh, Misha Zielinski, thank you very much indeed for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure.
0: Misha Zelinsky. He's a Fulbright scholar, come journalist. He spent the last seven weeks in Ukraine where he's been working for the Financial Review and you may have been following his work as I have. For a longer, more revealing interview because he has lots to say, I invite you to listen to ABC Listen, particularly over this Easter weekend, and I think you'll get a lot from it.